Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 904. You know, I've always liked, since I heard it, a quote from General Eisenhower, always take your job seriously, never yourself. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, James Owens. Hey, Jim, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, I'm ready for a throttle-stomping, asphalt-chomping good time. All right. Now, that's the kind of answer I like to hear. (laughs) James Owen is an automotive artist born in Detroit, Michigan, otherwise known as the Arsenal of Democracy, Motown, the Motor City, the birthplace of Detroit Dinosaur, and the Yank Tank. That's a fun one. He currently lives in Mesa, Arizona. During his younger years, Jim jumped into the world of commercial advertising. However, after a long, successful career, he decided to start painting. And spurred by the aesthetic of the late 40s and early 50s, he set off on a path to create his own style of fine art. His paintings have hung in galleries around the world and have been used in Hollywood motion pictures. His work has been featured in magazines in France, Italy, Spain, Australia, and the United States. Jim likes to say you can almost smell the 30-weight motor oil, gun smoke, and cheap perfume when you're enjoying my art. (laughs) I love that. And I got a chance to run into Jim at the SEMA show again this year. And when I view Jim's art, it begs to tell a story well beyond the automobiles in the frame. And we'll get into that a little more. But first, I've told our listeners a little bit about you, Jim. Take a moment, share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles. Well, you know, like you said, I started off in advertising in Detroit, which was 90% automobile related. Cars are in my blood. My grandfather worked for uh, Ford Motor Company from 1926 to 1966. Wow. Both grandfathers actually worked for the auto companies in Detroit. And my brother worked for GM. My cousin worked for GM. My Everybody in the family works for the auto companies, <laughs> and I did too in the advertising business. But you know, it's a, it's a very difficult business on relationships and lives. And uh, I made really good money, but was never really happy doing it. And so ventured on, you know, stepped out in life. Life is a big adventure. And I tried a number of different things, including acting, which I had some good success in, but really went back to my first love, which was painting when I, when I ended up in Southern California. The acting had taken me to Los Angeles. And the car scene there is just huge, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people that drive their vintage cars all year round there because the weather's spectacular. And, you know, I started going to car shows again and uh, saw the work of guys like Tom Fritz and Keith Wiesner, who since the very beginning, I've always said I admired that those guys were at the top of their game. They were the best at what they do. Yeah. Both automotive artists, but both completely different. Just always admired their work and was looking to become a painter full-time again. And, you know, I said to my wife one day, I said, I don't know what to paint. I don't paint like Tom Fritz. I don't paint like Keith Wiesner. And I don't want to rip off what these guys are doing either. And my wife, in her wisdom, said, well, paint what you like. Well, it took me a minute. I had to stop and I had to think, well, what do I like? And I'm like, well, I like old detective movies. I was crazy about Humphrey Bogart and James Cagney when I was a kid. 
I love the art of old pulp novel covers and movie posters. And so I decided to those things to influence my automotive art so that a lot of my work has a kind of cinematic aspect to it. Yes. So that was kind of my jumping off point. And I was working in my studio one day with an actor friend of mine named Paul Dooley, who was the dad in 16 Candles and Wimpy and Popeye. He's been in everything. Uh But he looked at one of my pieces and he said, wow, this stuff is very car noir. And I looked at him (laughs) and said, thank you very much. I'm stealing that. Yes. So car noir became kind of my thing. It became my the name of my website. And it's just something I've used over the years. And it keeps me on on point with what I'm doing. You know, it's great. What I really love about your work, and to give our listeners a little bit of idea, I'm going to go through a couple titles of some of Jim's paintings. The Bomb, Tip Off the Hat Check Girls, Memo to Dean Martin, I Dream of Jeannie, The Frolic Room, Cowgirls Delight. I mean, and as our listeners are probably going, what? What does this have to do with cars? (laughs) Well, you've got to go to James Owen's dot com his website and check out what he's doing and then this will all come together for you because as i said at the beginning of my intro when i look at your art every piece i'm just saying tell me the story behind this what's going on what what's in your mind what's in the mind of the people on this canvas so we're going to learn a lot more about your talent and your skills as we continue on your journey but first i like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning or the paintbrush moving across the canvas here on Cars, yeah? So, Jim, take the wheel. You know, I've always liked, since I heard it, a quote from General Eisenhower. He said, always take your job seriously, never yourself. Mm. So I've, I've just always loved that. I'm a, I'm a jovial person. I, I, you know, I'm an easy-to-get-along-with person, and I like to joke around a lot. But when I sit down at the canvas, I am doing everything I can do to make it the absolute best piece I can do. And I could throw a couple mantras out at you. I had a boss right out of art school that she always said, every piece of art should look like a little jewel, no matter the size of it, no matter the cost of it. That's the care to be taken with it. Yes. And so, you know, those two mantras have always stuck with me. And then, of course, there's the classic, you can put your shoes in the oven, but you can't make them biscuits. You know, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that's the first time anyone's shared that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know, it. it's just uh, the first one, though, but, you know, take what you do very seriously, but never yourself. I like it. Very, very nice. And when I look at your art, I think of the old 40s and 50s movie posters. I want to see a title across the top that tells the story, and it's kind of a hint of what's to come. I mean, that's what I find so fun about your art, and it's it's executed at a very high level. Uh, it's just really, really well done. Well, let's go back in time here. You grew up in a family surrounded by people in the car industry. You went into the car industry. Is there a story you can share that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment you remember when you realize, well, I guess like everyone else around here, I'm a car guy. You know, it's just really my dad. My dad was a mechanic in the 50s, and he was a mechanic in the Korean War, and he worked on our cars. You know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so he had to work on our cars. And I was just always around cars. My brother had a 67 Mustang when he was in high school. And I just thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I used to play this game with my dad when we'd be driving down the road called Name That Car. <laughs> and, you know, when you were a kid in the 70s, there were, you know, a lot of 50s era cars still on the road in the 70s. Because, you know, think about it. They were only 
you know, a dozen years old. Right. And so we would drive down the road and, Hey, what's that car? And he would name it, or I would try to name it. Or if I was wrong, he would say, no, that's not a Chevy. It's a Pontiac. Cause look at the Chrome on the hood or, mm-hmm. you know, so we played this game and I just, I have fond memories of playing that game with my dad and the love of cars was just always in me. And I guess, you know, you grow up in Detroit, you're just, it, cars are part of who you are, you know. Oh, yeah. I grew up in Southern California where, like you say, everyone could drive their cool cars all the time. And we used to go on road trips back to visit my grandparents in Texas, from San Diego to Texas, and we do the same thing. Name that car. I remember driving across the country. Stuckies you'd stop at and always buy a little treat. and <laughs> Kind of like the Route 66 concept, for sure. Fun, fun times. Well, yeah. let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down and talk about a huge challenge or a huge failure. You jumped out of what is somewhat of a secure career path into the world of making a living being an artist, fraught with ups and downs, challenges, needless to say. But is there one big thing you face that was a big challenge? And the most important part of this, of course, is what did it teach you so you could move forward? You know... It's a tricky question because life is full of side roads that snake around and get you to where you're at. It's never a straight line. And so when I stopped advertising, I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. And there was a time I actually sold cotton candy and popcorn in a flea market because I did not want to be an artist anymore. Uh I was so burnt out on art. art, I was willing to do anything but art. Mm. And... It took a long time for me to get past that, and thank God I have a wonderful wife who supported me in every venture I ever wanted to try, including becoming an actor. And, you know, the acting led me from Detroit to the South, where a lot of production is going on, to to uh, Los Angeles. And I had some pretty good success. I was getting guest starring roles on TV shows and co-starring roles on TV shows, working in independent films, a lot of commercial work. And she stood by me while I tried these different avenues to earn a living. Now, it helps that I don't have any children. And so we were able to pick up and move across country a couple of times now. Right. But having the support of someone to venture out into these things, including my art business, which I started in 2007, you have to have not only financial support, but the emotional support of a wife or a a husband who knows that this is going to be a life kind of fraught with ups and downs. In my lap with my other artist pals, you know, Max Grundy and people like that, Mm -hmm. you know, Bow Monster. And we we laugh about how you're either rolling in money or you're broke. And so (laughs) you have to learn how to budget, you know, but there are a lot Gosh, it's a, that's a big question to answer. Um, you know, uh, learning how to conduct a business. I wish in art school for every three art classes, they gave you one business class, but they didn't. Yeah, that would be wise, wouldn't it? It would be because it is a tricky thing to learn on your own, you know, and I hope that answers that question. It's a, it's a long and winding road to get to where you're earning a living as an artist, but to have the support of your family is the most important thing. And that's the thing that I learned. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've heard that over and over from guests here. Same thing when I started this podcast idea, I told my wife, hey, I think I'm going to try this crazy, silly thing called a podcast. And she went, okay, well, let's yeah. see what happens. And it's important to have those support 
people around you for sure. And when they're your spouse or partner, whatever it may be, oh, so important because it is a roller coaster ride for sure. And to go into acting, there's another tough one to make a living at. I know. I lost my mind. <laughs> and then I think, oh, now I'll be an artist. So I think that your next leg should be a race car driver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or something safe like bull riding. Well, that would be good too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful yeah. what you wish for. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. Now, maybe while you were selling cotton candy, the aha moment popped in your head to be an actor or an artist. But uh, tell us what yours might be. You know, as far as the art business goes, the aha moment was I spent about seven, eight months in the studio painting when I first decided to open this business. And I painted a bunch of of, uh, work and took it to the first show I ever did, which was Moon Eyes Christmas Party. I want to say 2007, because it's December. Yeah. So we Moon Eyes Christmas Party. And uh, uh, there was a fellow there bought an original piece from me for exactly the money that I was asking for it. He did not try to, you know, work me down on the price or, you know, jerk me around by throwing in this or throwing in that. And I was like, you know, the aha moment was, is I think I can make a go of this. People are responding well to the work. Sure. The confidence. Because you never know when you're sitting in your studio by yourself and you come up with what you think is a terrific piece and you work your tail off to, to make it as the best piece you can possibly make it. And, you know, you're your own worst first critic. Yes. And then you take it out. You don't know how people are going to re- you know, respond to it. And so to get a favorable response where a man pulls out his wallet and he drops two or three thousand dollars in your hand, you go, wow. OK, <laughs> yeah. maybe this will work. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. I had a Scott Jacobs, who's a very, very successful commercial artist, does a lot of paintings of uh, Harley Davidson motorcycles. In fact, he was the first artist to be licensed by them. And he told me something when I interviewed him. He said, you know, I was painting a lot of different things for myself. And then I wasn't wasn't becoming successful as far as selling work. And a friend said, well, why don't you paint what you like, but what other people like, too? And I know you like mm-hmm. motorcycles, so once you start painting motorcycles, and once you start doing that, everything just took off, and it's it's skyrocketed from there. And he's evolved into other things like wine and masks and all these different things that people like, people want to see. But you're right. That first time somebody pays you for what you do, you go, whoa, I, I might be able to make a go at this. And that could answer the next question as far as a proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many. You've done so many things over time, but is there one that you could share? You know, it's. I was just talking about this with the other artists at SEMA. It's so great to get together with those guys, you know, Ed Tilrock and Tom Fritz and uh, Max Grundy and Bow Monster. And yeah. because we sit in our studios by ourselves all the time, we rarely get to hang out with other artists and talk art and techniques and what motivates us. And when we do get together, we find out that those things are much the same quite often. Mm -hmm. But for me, what makes me very proud is when somebody like Max or Tom steps in front of my work and they look it over and they have something kind to say about the work. So the, what makes me very proud is when my peers respond well to the work. And I'm always, there's always a part that has part of my brain that has them in the back of my mind because they are my peers. 
I guess technically they may even be my competition for your dollar. I'm trying to work at that level because I really respect what they do. And when they respond, that's a very, very good feeling. Oh, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And there was a great talented group this year of artists there at SEMA. I so enjoyed walking through the uh, area there and looking at all the different artists. And some of those names you mentioned have already been guests on the show, and some of them are going to be guests here on the show in the near future. So that is cool, too. Yeah. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story about your first really special car. What was that vehicle? Oh, the first really special car that I just loved was I had a 1967 Fastback Impala as a two-door, you know, hard top. Yeah. And this was the car I had while I dated my wife. And we fixed it up together with the help of my brother. We put a new motor in it and I painted it. The upholstery was like new, even though the body needed a lot of work because it was a Michigan car and, you know, the salt up there is horrendous on cars. So, so this would have been in the, in the mid early to mid eighties. I owned this car. It wasn't quite the classic it is now, but I was in love with it. Had a good, strong motor in it, had a, had a beautiful interior, beautiful paint job. And I absolutely loved that car. Loved driving it. I would drive it just, I would just go out and drive it just to drive it, not just (laughs) have to go somewhere. And I had it that way. I had it fixed up for about Oh, six months, and a kid who had to be home at nine o'clock totaled it. Oh no! By running into the rear end, it was parked on the street in front of my girlfriend's house, my wife, my future wife's house, mm-hmm. and he ran into it. He had to be home at nine o'clock and hit it at nine fifteen. He didn't quite make it home on time. Oh man! No, he did not. He missed. He missed that one last turn. Yep. Yep. A little too fast. Yeah. Oh my but, gosh. Well, but that car was very special to me because my wife and I worked on it together. She was. 17 years old, wearing welding leathers, sandblasting the, <laughs> the engine compartment of my of my car. And she'll uh, tell you, she said she knew if she was going to spend time around me, it was going to be around cars. Well, and I'm sure that's the time you stood back and looked at her and said, that is the woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. <laughs> Dude, I, I scored a keeper. And believe me, I know I married above my station. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom told me to do that. I did the same thing. So, uh, yeah, I think that's part of the secret to a, a great marriage is marry a woman that uh, always keeps you on your toes and keeps you thinking. Yep. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've sold that you really wish you had back? And we'll exclude the car that got destroyed by the teenager who was late getting home. Right. You know, uh, recently, uh, we were living in East Tennessee, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we decided we wanted to move back west because we really love the west and it's, you know, I had some sinus conditions and stuff that it helped. But to do that, you know, it's quite expensive to move cross country. And I had a, I had a couple of vintage cars. I've got a 52 Hudson uh, that I've customized. And I had a 1961 Chrysler two-door hardtop Newport with fins for miles. This car was <laughs> yeah. so bitching. It was so cool. Well, I needed to sell it because I could get a decent dollar for that, and it funded our move across country. I ended up selling it to artist Max Grundy, oh, who yeah. has restored it and customized it, and I believe the restoration and the customization of that car has just been featured on a TV show on Discovery about Max. But I'm, gl- I'm glad to have seen it go to a friend who did something great with it, but we really loved that car and loved driving that car. It was a, 
you drive any of those Virgil Exner designed 50s, 60s era cars with those fins, and it is a head turner no matter where you go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been working on getting Max on this show. Maybe you can help nudge him a little bit. I'd love to talk with him as well. But that car, yeah, that, talk about fins. Yeah, that was a great era for cars. So, well, at least you know where it yeah, is. You can go and crazy. visit. Yeah, you know. I can go and visit. That's right. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he'll ever sell it to me again, but uh, I can go visit it anyhow. Well, you know, stranger things have happened. Everything's always for sale at some point in time for some reason. So That is true. We are just the caretakers of them. Yeah, keep the faith, as I say. Well, what are you working on these days that has you excited and really fired up? Well, I've been really prolific uh, with paintings lately. But I'll tell you the one thing that's really got me excited that I've I kind of started before we moved, and I haven't been able to work on it because... We just got moved into our new house, and I don't have my compressor wired in. But a lot of the skills that I learned when I built my 52 Hudson were metal shaping skills, welding and and shaping sheet metal. And I've started to do uh, a series of sculptures Oh, uh, that they're kind of abstract sculptures, but they're based on kind of streamlined, modern, you know, that post-art deco pre-mid-century Danish time period of streamline so they're very streamlined they're but they're 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 abstract but based on streamline and automotive shapes awesome and so i'm building those out of uh steel sheet metal uh aluminum polished aluminum marble and uh some glass and um, they've really got me excited but like i said i haven't been able to work on them because i've been moving it seems like for the past two years Sure. Oh, how exciting. I can't wait to see where where you go with some of these. This is absolutely fabulous. It's so neat when an artist expands beyond the canvas, as I say, and starts working in different medium. Growing up in a family where my father was an architect and worked in all sorts of things from art and paint to clay and wood and all sorts of things. Uh, it's fun. It just uh, makes life that much more interesting. So you'll have to keep me abreast of what you're doing and I can share it with my followers. I certainly will. I, and I'm like your dad. I'm like, uh, I'm media curious. So I'm constantly trying new medium. I'd love to do just black and white ink work. I love charcoal work. On top of the fact that my main medium is, uh, is oil on canvas. I, I constantly experimenting with different things. Yeah, very nice. Ah, how exciting. Well, here's a very introspective question. And you can thank a fellow artist, Harold Cleworth for this question. He was a guest early when I started podcasting here. He came back when he published his first book, but he's the one that gave me this idea for this question. If you were a car, Jim, what kind of car would Jim be and why? <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. Well, uh, let's break it down a little. Okay. Um, you know, I'm built for comfort. I'm not built for speed. So, uh, <laughs> okay, that's cool. Why don't we, some, uh, Nice. I don't have any round. I don't have any sharp edges. So nice round. All right. Uh, okay. Built for comfort. Yeah. I'm a little adventurous though. Hmm. So why don't why don't we say something like a '47 Cadillac with a four wheel drive undercarriage? I don't. I don't <laughs> That's know. okay. I like that. Just yeah. Because, creative. Yeah. Just because it's so comfortable and classic. But it's, you know, I am kind of adventurous. Maybe put, uh, build it like a half track. You know, oh, my gosh. Places. Oh, my gosh. Well, now that paints, <laughs> that paints a very creative picture. Harold answered that question by saying the back 
of a Cadillac Biarritz in the front of an Austin Healey, I believe is what he said. So kind of a kind of a bit of a Frankenstein car, not unlike your answer. So Right. I would expect something creative out of you for an answer like that. So I'm, I'm seeing the build here, having just come from SEMA, where I saw some very cool builds. Yeah, I could see somebody building something like that. So very yeah. interesting. Well, Jim, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. The holiday season is coming upon us, and some of the hardest people to buy for are us automotive enthusiasts. Well, I've got an idea for you. My friends at Covercraft have a gift card this season that you can get anyone on your shopping list. And with that card, they can buy a car cover, seat covers, dash covers, sunscreens for their windshields, front-end protection floor mats, canine covers, things for their work truck, power sports, all sorts of options at Covercraft.com. Just go to their website. You can buy a gift card for any denomination. And the person on your list that's so hard to buy for will thank you for the years ahead to come that those Covercraft items are protecting their vehicle. So go to Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Jim, we are back, and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? My dad always told me, it went on there, it'll come off. <laughs> yes. Sounds like something Dad would say. As you're sitting there <laughs> cursing and frustrated, that's what it worked. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Uh, keep regular work hours. Ah, yes, I, I could learn. I from know. That. I know a lot of artists are a lot of artists are uh, are uh, a little use the term artist to be a little crazy, but I find if you're going to build a successful business, you you have to work and actually. Keep regular work hours, and you'll probably work overtime. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Like most entrepreneurs do. Now, do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy that you like? You know, I quite often find myself surfing on Custom Car Chronicle. Mm -hmm. This is a great website that just features classic custom automobiles. So there's a lot of great historic information on there about Barris Custom Builds and uh, Westergaard builds and just all of the really, really great classic cars. So if you love, you know, uh, custom cars, mm -hmm. that's a, that is a great uh, website to go to. If I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? You know, that would have to be my grandfather on my mother's side, the oh. one that worked for Ford Motor Company. Yeah. Uh, he was a tool and die maker. And he had gone through the uh, Ford Trade School, and he worked at the Rouge plant when those famous photographs of the of the Union riots were taken. And uh, he, he died when I was about 17 years old. So 
I, I spent a lot of time with him as a boy, but I never got to have like an adult conversation with him. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, wouldn't so. that be fabulous? Very much so. Yeah. How about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners should crack open and read? Well, you know, I'll, how about I give you two? Oh, you know, I'll, even better. I'll start with uh, the Bible, I think, is a book that everyone should read, even if they're not Christians. Meet a lot of people who uh, claim to be uh, intellectual who have never read it, and I don't I don't know how you could not read the most influential book in history and claim to be uh, intellectual. But anyhow, there you go. The next one would be How to Win Friends and Influence People. That book was uh, an eye opener for me. I read it when I was in my 20s, and uh, it actually helped me mature a little bit. Great book, and it's been recommended here before. And I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources Jim has shared on his show notes page at carsyeah.com. I've got everything listed there easy. There's even a great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books where all my past guests have recommended just fabulous books. I made it really simple. You just click. takes you right to Amazon. Easy to buy. All right, Jim, we're up to the checkered flag. We're going to have some fun here. This last question, though, can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you... Any cool collector car, whatever you'd like today. doesn't matter what the cost is, but you got to keep it. I want you to drive it and enjoy it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch more toys with or more artist paints and canvases. So you got to hang on to it, park it in your garage. What would that vehicle be and why? You know, I am crazy about step-down Hudson convertibles. So the step-down Hudson was built between 1948 and I guess technically 1954. So they made it a lot of years, but the convertible version of that car has always got my motor going since I first discovered it. I have a coupe, but uh, you know, I might do just about anything for a convertible. (laughs) Well, cool. That'll be cool. What color would you like that to be? Just so I get the car right. Uh, Let's get a silver one. I painted my coupe silver because I've always loved the, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, uh, the movie, the two Jakes, it was a, a not great movie that was a sequel to Chinatown. Okay. Well, in it, Jack Nicholson drives a beautiful silver, I think it's like a 48 or 49 step-down convertible. Okay. And it is just spectacular. And so silver step-down convertible, and I don't care what year because I like them all. Well, thanks for making it a little easier for me. Oh, that's the first time anyone <laughs> has asked for that car. And I'm always intrigued by the answers of these cars and the whys. But Certainly a beautiful vehicle. Jim, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that step-down Hudson convertible? (laughs) Uh, You know, as far as business goes, constantly adapt, try new things, keep what works, ditch what doesn't. As far as art goes, uh, any aspiring artists out there, I would say draw all the time. And I mean, draw the human figure. The hardest thing in the world to draw is the human figure. And to draw a pretty girl is the hardest of the hard. So <laughs> just draw constantly, train yourself, because if you can draw the human figure, you can draw anything, including automobiles. There you go. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and see the art that you have to offer them? Uh, they can go to my website. Uh, the easiest URL for that is car-noir.com. That's C-A-R hyphen N-O-I-R.com. Or they can follow me on Instagram at James Owens Art. Those would be the two easiest ones. I'm on Facebook too. There you James go. James Owens. I don't even know what that is. It's James Owens. 
Art. It's been a while since I've checked that one, so I don't remember. But the other two, they can find me. Well, I'll tell you what, listeners, I will make sure that links to all these, including James' Facebook page, are listed on his Cars Yeah show notes page. So just go to CarsYeah.com, type in James Owens. His page will pop right up. I think if even if you type in Jim Owens, I'll make sure that that pops up as well. And I would encourage you to follow along with what he's doing. Check out the artwork he's creating. It is very different, very unique, very fun, very bold, very exciting. And, of course, we can't wait to see some of these sculptures in metal that you're coming up with as well in the future. So make sure you stay in touch with me. I'll put those out there on the Cars Yeah and Mark Green Facebook pages and Instagram and so forth so that everyone can see what fun you're having. Jim, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your automobile experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I get to talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure. Pleasure was all mine. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Dot com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!